It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Here you go. Here you go. Disappointment. God, that word has all sorts of meaning, and it's the nothing personal word of the day. Disappointment. That's the word that the Major League Baseball Players Association used yesterday to respond to a proposal pushed forward by the owners in Major League Baseball to set an economic parameter by which we could have baseball in 2020. Disappointment is also a word that players used on Twitter, sources used saying they were disappointed in the proposal. They're very far apart. Pundits, everybody was talking, with the exception of the owners. The only voice that came from the owners was a statement, an actual statement from MLB that said, we made a proposal to the union that is completely consistent with the economic realities facing our sport. We look forward to a responsive proposal from the MLB PA. They sent the proposal yesterday. Let me tell you exactly how it worked and what's next. Let's talk about the proposal. A lot to break down here on Nothing Personal because we are knee deep in business. Knee deep. For starters, owners get together on a conference call. The commissioner, it's a Zoom call. Audio, video, commissioner presents PowerPoint proposal. This is what we plan on giving to the union. There's not one owner on the call who hadn't seen the proposal before. There was not one ounce of surprise. There was not one ounce of information given that had not already been given. Why? Because the commissioner, before submitting a proposal to the union, has to make sure he's got the votes and you're not going to start counting votes on a call where you introduce what the proposal is. So people in the commissioner, what they do is they split everybody at the top, whether it's Commissioner Manford, whether it's Dan Hallam, whether it's Morgan Sword, who's also in the Labor Department, Patrick Houlihan. They actually split the teams up. They each make five calls. So six of them make five calls. Five of them make six calls. They figure out where the votes are. They have the commissioner weigh in when he needs to speak to an owner specifically. He'll concentrate mostly on members on the council. It's called the executive council. That's sort of the the board on top of the board. So the executive council has to make a decision and then it goes to the full ownership for a vote. They have a conference call. They know exactly what the vote's going to be and they approve the commissioner to send that proposal to the players. Very similar to what happened with the health protocol. They approve the general parameters. They approve how far the commissioner can go in negotiating on behalf of the owners because they know whatever proposal is sent, whether it's regarding health, whether it's regarding economics, that will not be the final agreement. There are parameters, but the commissioner always ends it by saying, we will come back to you with an update and we'll come back to you when it's time to vote again on a final deal. 
because just because because just because because just because the night belongs to lovers. I don't know why I'm singing Natalie Merchant or Bruce Springsteen. What I am saying is that there will be another vote. So economic proposal goes. The trial balloon was floated a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, that the owners wanted what's called a revenue split. We talked about it on Nothing Personal. Very simple. That was not going to fly with the players, and the owners knew it. It was simply a trial balloon. It was never something the owners wanted because they knew they couldn't get it. And it's not something the owners needed because they knew they didn't want it. We did a wait to see saying there will not be a 50-50 revenue split. Everyone said, wow, that's crazy. We know that's what the owners want. They may be able to pressure the players into getting it. We knew better on nothing personal, which means you knew better. So the economic proposal had a tiered system of compensation. A lot of other components to an economic agreement for the 2020 season. The health protocols have to be agreed to. A lot of specifics on the economics. What do players get paid? When do players get paid? How do players get paid? How many games will there be? What will the schedule be? How many trips, literally, you have to bargain? How many road trips will there be? So what has leaked out, when I say leaked, it's because people actually have the proposal. So is that a leak when people aren't guessing or surmising? They're actually reading a document. I guess a document gets leaked and then people tweet out sort of bits and drips and drabs. That's what happened. The entire proposal got leaked. It's got tiered pay cuts in it. You've heard a lot about it. A lot of talking heads who have not been in any negotiating room with any union, with any owners, a lot of people giving their opinion. Let's break it down. What is it? Well, let's first go back and talk about your company, where you work, or what you've read about other industries. You've read about the furloughs that have taken place. Furloughs are when you stop getting your actual compensation, but the companies in many cases continue to pay for your health benefits. Hourly employees are being furloughed because there's simply no work to be done. Generous corporate owners are paying benefits when possible to those employees being furloughed. But what you're also seeing are pay cuts. Pay cuts mean... When you're paid $100,000 and your company comes to you and says, we'd like you to take a 20% pay cut, but we'd like you to do the same amount of work. That's a pay cut. It's not when the company says, we'd like you to take a 20% pay cut from your salary that you've agreed to by contract, but we're going to have you do 20% less work. That's not a pay cut. That's an adjustment into how much work you are providing to your boss, how much your boss is expecting you to do. You are still being paid, if you will, hourly the same amount. For the first time, the owners proposed an actual pay cut for the players. Because in the March 26th agreement, much talked about on Nothing Personal and around the globe, that agreement called for a prorated pay for players. If we play 100 games, that, that's a dollar. I don't know, Coca, you and I still have not properly talked about a dollar. I've been paying a dollar fine into a jar, although I have no jar and I have no dollars because Coca hasn't told me how many times I've violated this. I used to be a we. I spent 18 years running a Major League Baseball team, and I always referred to it as we. I didn't use I very much. 
And I try to say we all the time. Now, I'm with you on nothing personal. I'm part of CBS. And my view is I need to say they because it is they. Now, when I say we, that's you and me. People listening right now on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate that you listen. I appreciate that you rate, review, subscribe. Bonus pod coming at the end of the month. Please submit any questions you have for me into the Apple review and I'll answer them. If you're watching me, we have a new YouTube channel. If you found this, congratulations. It's damn impossible to find. But Nothing Personal has its own YouTube channel. Please subscribe. You'll find all the content we put out. You don't have to go through CBS anymore. I think it may be available on CBS. It may not be. It's all very unclear to me. I'm supposed to have a meeting later in the week where I may get some clarity. Of course, I may not get some clarity. It may just be up to you and I to decide. All of our listeners will figure out where to find these YouTube videos. But anytime Coca and I do any sort of video like we're doing right now, so you can see the pink shirt, the dark jacket, the long beard, you can go to the Nothing Personal YouTube devoted channel. I I don't even know what it's called. I think it's just called Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Anyway, check it. No chance of landing this plane right now. I got so distracted I had such a fight with Coca. Coca and I had our first major fight last night and into this morning. And we learned how easy it will be for us to move forward as a producer and uh, as a show, as the person who does the show. I, As you know, I've said it. I can't do the show without Coca. I think Coca would agree he can't do the show without me. I was so furious when I learned that people couldn't find the show yesterday. And I don't even know if we should be talking about Coca, but I'm doing it. I want people to know. I heard from many people and many loyal listeners and viewers of Nothing Personal that they couldn't see the show. Often they're subscribing to the podcast, which I appreciate. Always subscribe. That matters. The reviews, all of it matters. But they also like to see. They want to see the beard growth. Maybe they're looking for the Red Groom's painting in the background. Maybe they miss Wilson. Maybe they like seeing the gesticulation. And we get sometimes 10,000, sometimes 2,000, sometimes 1,000, sometimes 500, sometimes 4,000. Any number of, any sometimes 20,000. Yesterday's show had 20 views because it was the first show put on the nothing personal. You have to subscribe, which by the way, it's free. You just hit a button called subscribe and then it's under your list of channels that you subscribe to on YouTube. So I was so furious. I called up Coke and I said, listen, here's how it's going to go. I want back on the CBS platform. There's a reason why we had 20 views. It doesn't go to 20 views from 4,000. Where are those 3,800 people? Are they angry? Are they upset? Have they put nothing personal on the no watch list? No, they couldn't find it. So I'm furiously texting with Coca. I call him. I'm in the middle of doing a bunch of other stuff last night, and I'm texting him. And all of a sudden, he goes dark on me. He ghosted me. And overnight, I was furious. You know what? All you have to do is answer your damn phone, Coca, or respond to a text. It's okay if we disagree, but we got to communicate. So I texted him this morning, couldn't reach him, and I'm beginning to boil, fuming. He then doesn't respond. So I call him, doesn't answer. I call him back, and he answers, sort of feigning tiredness, Oh, yawns a little bit and says, hey, I picked up and you weren't there just now. I'm like, all right, Coco, what are we doing about YouTube? 
And Coca set me straight. He said, listen, David, your job is content. Keep putting out content and you have to have a belief that when people want to find your show, they're going to find it. And isn't it better if we have to start at zero again, we start, but now we've got our own place for the show. It's the nothing personal. You've done it. We've done it. We have built a show in only six or seven months. We only started this in October. Today is the 145th episode. I'm with you every day, Monday to Friday. I don't think we've had a day off since... February, maybe even before. I can't even remember the last time we didn't do a show. And Coca just gave me reasons A through Z of why it made perfect sense what's happening. And just relax and do your show. And I said to him, Coca, this is what we needed. This is what we needed. Thank you, Coca. Get there, okay? All right. So MLB players are now getting information that they are going to get tiered pay, which is exactly what we talked about other employees get. The more money you make, the more money you have to give back in this sort of pay cut scenario. We've seen it. The, the commissioner of football said, I'm not going to take a, a pal, uh, uh, salary. The commissioner of baseball, I'm going to take 35% off of my salary until we get through this pandemic, until we understand what's going to be with revenue, and with sports, when fans are coming back. So Major League Baseball proposed to the players that the more you make, the higher the pay cut, but the closer you are to the minimum, the closer you are to getting your full game rate. And now we are reading from everywhere what a disaster this is for the players. Well, let me, let me just ask you. A player making the minimum, which is quite, on the Marlins, we would have, let's say, 10 out of 25 players making the minimum. Even the Yankees have seven minimum players. Pete Alonso for the Mets, the home run derby champion, the home run champion, he is close to the minimum. So let's say you're making $600,000 and you play half the season, you'd then make $300,000 if you were getting your full pay. What they're now saying is that $600,000 player will make around $275,000 instead of $300,000. So that's a $25,000 pay cut or a little under 10%. But as a player makes more money and then they go all the way to the moon, like Ralph frickin' Cramden, to the moon, Alice. Mike Trout making $30 million, $35 million. Garrett Cole in the first year of his new contract. He's going to get, let's say you're at $30 million, and then you're at $15 million if you only play half the games. That player will only make around $7 million, which is like a 50% pay cut. Oh, the horror. It makes perfect sense, this step strategy. This is not where it'll end. There'll be a negotiation, but the concept is what the players have to wrap their arms around. But instead of wrapping their arms around it, they went a different approach. They feigned disappointment. They said, how could you, and this was a tweet from a Milwaukee Brewers pitcher named Brett Anderson. He said, not a good idea to alienate the stars and the faces of the game. Hmm. How about Aaron Judge? He's one of the faces of the game. He only makes $8 million. Christian Yelich is only at $12 million this first, this uh, part of his old long-term deal. Pete Alonzo, how about Acuna for the Braves making around the minimum? 
there's a lot of faces of the game that aren't making $30 million. In fact, there's more guys overpaid making 30 than there are those as faces of the game. So these potential salary cuts that MLB is going for, and they're cuts, they're not pro rata adjustments, they're actual cuts, are done because baseball doesn't know what its revenue will be. And the majority of revenue comes from gate plus TV. Well, we have no gate, cross that off the list. TV, we're not offering, you heard it and learned it on nothing personal. We don't exactly know what's going to happen with the local broadcast deals when you're only showing half the number of games. But the other factor of revenue is the postseason broadcast revenue. There's a billion dollars, let's say, to be made. If you show a full postseason or even an expanded postseason, that could be up to a billion dollars of revenue right there. But what happens if we start as we, that's the seventh dollar, Coco whispered in my ear, I've lost six dollars to him already, and he just started keeping track last week. If they start the season July, August, I predicted August, I still think that's going to be the case, but just say it's July 4th. And all of a sudden, a second wave comes, which many people are predicting, a second wave of COVID-19. And all of a sudden, boom, the season has to be stopped prior to there being a postseason. And there is no postseason in 2020. It's not ideal. It's not what I'm rooting for. I don't think it will come to that. But the job of the owners and the negotiating team for the owners, which are the people in the commissioner's office, is to plan for every possible eventuality. And one of the possible eventualities is no postseason. So how do you deal with it? You say to the players, this is your baseline comp. These are the pay cuts you will take. But if we have a postseason that is full, then everybody gets $200 million. Not every single person will give $200 million to the players. And you can divide that up and that will go toward increasing the salary of every player, not just those players who are in the postseason. You see, in normal years, players get what's called the postseason share, which is when you add up the gate revenue, the broadcast revenue, you put it into a pot, you stir it, you split it with the umpires, you split it with the league, you split it with the union, and then there's an amount given to players called the player share. There are years like 2000, back in 2003, the player share, every single Marlins player got about $300,000 for winning the world, for being in the World Series. It's not dependent upon winning. It's actually dependent on the number of games that are played, actually. So the longer the series goes, listen, here's a little nugget that no one talks about. Players do not like four-game sweeps. They'll say they do because they get to rest if they win, and if they're losing, they're upset, and they're gone, and they're home, and they're ready for their offseason. But the longer the game goes, meaning the longer the series goes, the more money goes into that pot, the more the playoff share is, the more every team gets in the playoffs. But now what MLB is saying, whatever playoffs we have, even if it's all four game sweeps, we'll put money, additional money into the pot, and then you can split that, which is exactly what the union did for April and May when they got $170 million under the March agreement. They took that money and then divided it amongst the players. It makes sense. That's what a lawyer is supposed to do. And the, by the way, there's lawyers everywhere in the union. There's lawyers everywhere in the commissioner's office. They are here to protect against problems, situations that no one sees coming. But anyone could see a second wave as a possibility. Anybody. So before the players start complaining about all this, they should be asking themselves, 
will they be able to do better? And then how do you do better? So the union thought to itself, one way we can do better is trying to have a PR strategy where we can try to elicit some sympathy from the masses, from the fans. I got a news flash, Tony Clark, NGTH, nothing personal with David Sampson, not going to happen. There is no scenario under which you will be able to get a preponderance of the people to actually come out on your side when there are people making 30 million and now they'll make 10 million when there's about 30 to 35 or maybe we're closer to 40 million people unemployed making zero or furloughed or the owners have had to furlough employees or the minor league players who are not getting paid like the Oakland A's announcing that they will no longer pay their minor league players, even the $400 per week, or the Marlins saying today that, no, we will pay our minor league players the $400 per week through August. Teams are treating it differently, but it's hard to get a sympathetic ear when you're talking about the number of millions. Now, I get it. Players have higher expenses. They have more responsibilities. They had an expectation for a certain amount of money, just like you do when you make $60,000. You expect to have that 60000 pre-tax in order to pay your liabilities, to pay your rent, to pay your mortgage, to pay for your food, your electricity, your phone. More money, more problems. Players have more expenses. I get it. But at some point, the players will have to decide what they're willing to live with. And as they get to that point, they need a totally different PR strategy. Their strategy has to be, and I wish they'd stood up, my request of baseball is that Rob Manford and Tony Clark actually did a joint release upon this economic negotiating commencing. And the joint release would have been without leaks, would have been without sources. It would not have said MLB released a statement, the union released a statement. It would have been the two faces of the parties. And it would have gone something like this. We have just sent the union our proposal for what we believe will be the best and most fair parameters to restart the 2020 season. We fully understand there will be a negotiation with the union. We respect the right of the union to negotiate. But what we are hoping for is to come to a resolution in time to have a season that can be seen through to its conclusion. We all look forward to working with the union to come to that solution. Then Tony Clark would say, We appreciate that the owners took the time to put forth a proposal that we could consider in order to start the 2020 season. While we don't agree with the terms of this proposal as they are currently laid out, we very much look forward to finding common ground because it is our singular goal to get baseball players playing and get baseball fans watching So there can be some semblance of a return to normalcy. That is our job and we are going to work behind closed doors and we will not come out until there's white smoke. Then together they would end it by saying, we are very much understanding of what everyone's going through. We understand how difficult it has been for everyone since this pandemic started. While it's not enough to simply donate money and time, which we have all done, we understand that our goal and our job is to put games on and entertain you. There will be no further comment until a completed deal. Done. 
Wouldn't that have felt better than all of the rampant speculation about what, who's angry at who? Hearing Marcus Stroman tweet that the season's in jeopardy and having people use that as clickbait. Trying to get a quote from a leak or a source on or off the record. It's a waste of time. And by the way, are veterans really that angry? Is Mike Trout going to say, you know, from my standpoint, I'm not going to take the $8 million. I'm just going to sit out the entire year. I know I've got a contract through 2030, so I don't need to play in 2020. I'm good. I'm covered. Well, that wouldn't be very nice because the Angels may have a chance in an expanded playoffs to actually make the playoffs, and he may have a chance to actually play in a playoff game and win it. That'd be a first. Well, he has a pregnant wife, he says. I get it. Maybe he'll never be comfortable playing. Maybe the veterans are saying, I'm protected by my contract, so I'm not going to take any chance no matter what the health protocol is. But I think he's still going to vote yes to whatever the proposal is. Because wouldn't he want his younger players in the union who all these veterans talk about protecting, wouldn't he want those players to get out and play and get some service time and get out there and play? I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking out loud right now with all of you what the veterans' perspective will be when they vote. Well, from the owner's standpoint, I know it'll be negotiated. There is no collective bargaining agreement for 2020. There are no games if many of the Mike Trouts or Max Scherzers or Garrett Coles pick any significant player, if they say, I will not play, even if their union votes to play and they come out and say, I won't play. There has to be an agreement. We talked about a nothing personal. What I do, I'd restrict him. I wouldn't pay him. See you later. The show goes on. We have to teach everyone the sport is bigger than any one individual player, which it is. But we want to put we seven, that's $8. They want to put their best foot forward when this product comes back. You have to have the best players playing. And if the best players are not going to play, then MLB PR is going to take on a totally different strategy. I promise you that any veteran player who believes that he is not going to play because of economics, they are fighting a losing battle. Any player who says they are not going to play because of a health protocol that has already been agreed to, which it hasn't, but assuming it gets agreed to, assuming that we all think it's safe and we all follow all the rules, any player who says I'm still a no, that player's going to have to live with those consequences. And I'm not begrudging them the right to make that decision. I'm not begrudging any employee the right to make a decision not to work. But you got to think long and hard on the impact of that decision because there will be one. And for all the people out there saying that the owners are doing what's called the divide and conquer strategy, what are you talking about? Do you think that what the owners are doing is proposing this tiered pay cut so that the veterans will be looked at as, we can't say no to this because the majority of the union are the minimum guys are up to a million dollars, and that's enough to pass the new collective bargain agreement without us, so we better get on board. The owners say, no, we'll divide the union. We're going to start a lot of fighting within the union. That's not a strategy that is going to be used right now during a pandemic. Divide and conquer is a very good strategy when you're negotiating a long-term deal. That's a strategy that's well used for a collective bargaining agreement in many industries. But when it comes to a short, quick fix in an emergency situation where it is unchartered territory, where we're talking about not projected losses, not the possibility of losses, not the possibility of some crazy pandemic or natural 
uh, a disaster that could cause some sort of decrease in revenue. All the satellites falling out of the sky so no games can ever be broadcast on TV. We're not talking about speculating. We're talking about what's here, what's now. There's no reason to divide and conquer. The truth will set you free, and the truth is the losses are real. So what's next? What's next is that you're going to hear a lot of whining, bitching, moaning. Both sides are going to say, we're not going to move. We can't move. We're going to stand strong. We're standing our ground. But the truth is both sides will move. Over the next week or so, there will be updates that will be leaked out purposefully, which I'm against in this instance. But the deadline that you're all worried about is a fake deadline. I don't want to say fake news, but it really is a fake deadline. People are saying, get this deal done by June 1st or else you can't start spring training by June 10th. And if you can't start spring training by June 10th, then there can be no season by July 4th. And if there's no season by July 4th, ah! well, I told you here, you saw it on CBSSports.com. You read it. You heard it. You may not have seen it because you couldn't find it on the new YouTube channel called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Shameless plug. August 1st is the real deadline. August 1st is when there needs to be baseball in order to have an 81 or 82 game season. Playoffs into November. As long as the broadcast networks agree to show playoff games in November, that's the deadline you should be looking for with spring training starting somewhere around July 4th or a little bit after. So there's plenty of time to get this done, which is why the negotiating process has started as early as it has. Do you really see a world right now where we're only beginning to see small workouts with small groups of people? Do you think we are, what's the date today, Coca? May 23rd? Do you think that there it may, it's, oh, it's the 27th. <laughs> there you go. Do you, by the way, that makes my point even better. 30 days have September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31 except February, which has 28 and 29 every four years. So May has 31 days. So that means we are now 14 days away from June 10th. Do you think that players will be having full spring training workouts, pitchers and catchers reporting in 14 days? If I were you and I'm focused on William Hill Sportsbook, it's called the O-V-E-R. There'll be more to talk about with the MLB solution, the agreement, and we'll do it. Just not today. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So you want to talk to Samson. Someone asked me, they got into my Twitter at David P. Sampson, and they said, hey, uh, if you get into my DM and ask a question, is there any chance that you'll do this on nothing personal? And my answer always is maybe. It depends. Is it relevant? Is it interesting? Someone said, can you please explain the NHL playoff slash return to play format that was announced yesterday? That just came in. I wanted to put it in the show. I added the yesterday, so that should be a sick or a parentheses. Can you please explain the NHL playoff slash return to play format? Yes. Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, actually got on camera and it was sort of funny, but I enjoyed it. He got on camera and he explained where the NHL is currently in their return to play. And they announced and everyone got super excited thinking it's time, game on, it's hockey time. Well, hockey's got 31 teams. Normally, there are 16 playoff teams, eight in the Eastern Conference, eight in the Western Conference. They play four to seven, four to seven, four to seven, and you got yourself a big cup to drink out of at the end. Well, hockey announced to deal with the players that they're going to go to a 24-team playoff, up from 16. That means only seven teams are not in the playoffs this year. They canceled the rest of the regular season. Not suspended, not postponed, not halted. It's done, canceled. So seven teams, Buffalo, the New Jersey Devils, the Ottawa Senators, the Detroit Red Wings, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, the Los Angeles Kings, the San Jose Sharks. Those seven teams are done. No need to practice, no need to get ready for the regular season, no reason to get ready for the playoffs. You're done, you're out. And the reason was, according to Gary Bettman, those teams did not have a practical chance to make the playoffs. Well, they also don't have a practical chance now to finish the regular season and get any sort of TV revenue that maybe they could get because they haven't shown the right number of regular season games or any sort of increase or bump in merchandise. They have and get nothing. Is that a coincidence? No. Do you remember I always talk about 23 votes in Major League Baseball? That with 23 votes of owners out of 30 teams, we can do anything. We could literally make it a six-inning game. We could then tell the union that in a year, we're going to play six innings and that's it. You need 23 votes out of 30 to change control people. You need 23 votes out of 30 to approve a return to play. Well, guess what? Seven teams in hockey. Let's do the math. 24 out of 31. Coca, what's 24 divided by 31? Let's just see what it is just for fun. Just for fun. Do you have your calculator out? I'm going to my calculator right now, my trusty phone calculator, and I'm saying that 24 divided by 31, huh, 77%. It's more than three quarters. Those seven teams, there was nothing they could do. So the teams that are in the playoffs now who wouldn't have a chance, our hometown team here, the Florida Panthers, they're in it. They're in it to win it. They could win the Stanley Cup when, in fact, in a regular non-pandemic world, they would not have even made the playoffs. So what's going to happen? 
The top four teams in every conference are going to get a bye in the first round. The bottom eight teams will play each other in a first round three out of five. And then you'll get four winners, obviously. They'll go with the four teams who have the buys. And then you've got your eight teams per conference. Makes perfect sense. So there's an extra round of playoffs. That three out of five series. But the top four teams in each conference are despondent about this. Why? It's the same reason why the Marlins won the World Series by being the wild card twice in 97 and 03. Every game mattered. We had to be on point. I can say we, that's not $8. We had to be on point all through August, September. We played a team, the San Francisco Giants in 03. They won over 100 games. They clinched their division before we had even thought about clinching a playoff spot. And they were just not on point in the first round. And we beat them three games to one. These top four seeds are saying, we got to play. We got to play some games because we can't go into a playoff series against the winner of the first three out of five round because they will have games under their feet. They'll have sort of minutes of skating under their legs. God, that must be a mixed metaphor. So what NHL is proposing is that the top four seeds will also play a round robin type tournament that will then determine what seed they will be in the second round, one through four. I'm not loving that if I'm the best team in hockey right now and I have the number one seed locked up and I would get to play the number eight seed because in a reseeding scenario, let's say that I don't do well in the round robin and I finish with the second or third seed out of four. I did get a bye, but now I'm playing a better team out of the remaining playoff teams, but it's going to pass. So four teams get a bye. They play a round robin tournament. Then they get reseeded. Bottom eight teams play each other, four winners, and you've got yourself Playoffs. Now, is NHL back? No. They announced phase two. Phase two is that practice facilities are open, but no coaches, only six players at a time, no contact, no nothing. That's like saying you can now go to work on a treadmill and eventually you're going to run in the Olympics on a track. It's good to get on the treadmill. It gets the blood flowing again. It gets your legs out from under. You can start working out again, but you're nowhere near being track ready. Phase two, which by the way, they didn't even announce when it's going to happen, but they're hoping early June, but no guarantees whatsoever of any kind. So once phase two comes, that's sort of the beginning of practicing. Then you go into a phase three, which is a full training camp. I think I have that right, Coca. And then phase four is when you start having games. Of course, phase th phase four may be the full training camp, which means like preseason starts. But either way, fa what phase four is are games. We're not even at phase two yet. The NHL has said that they are hopeful. And they're talking about sometime in August as a time to resume and start this playoffs. And I think that is completely fine and a reasonable timeline. Why these announcements are being made now is because there are so many steps left to negotiate. Just having a return to play plan with your union in hockey, there's still all of the rules of the road, all of the health protocols, all of the economic decisions and agreements that have to be made. All of these sports have to do it and they're going to do it. This was step one. I'm excited. I love playoff hockey. Who doesn't love playoff hockey? Is there anything better? I just have a question. If you don't like hockey, a game seven in hockey playoffs, overtime, where every time down the ice, this game and the series could end. There's nothing, nothing more exciting. 
than game seven hockey overtime. So I was given a uh, movie to watch the other day, and I did. Uh, my oldest daughter said to me, you like Nicole Kimmon? You like Nic- uh, Moulin Rouge? How about a movie called Killing of a Sacred Deer? And so I thought I'd never heard of that, and it's from 2017. I was quite concerned I'd never heard of it. But I said I would agree to watch it. It's got Colin Farrell in it. It's got Nicole Kidman in it. The guy who directed it is the same guy who directed The Lobster, which I think I may have reviewed on Nothing Personal. I can't remember. But The Lobster is a phenomenal Colin Farrell movie. Very bizarre, but brilliant. But I wanted to watch a trailer because I was nervous. I don't watch horror movies. People know that. People who are fans of Nothing Personal, you know that. I just don't like being scared. So Killing of a Sacred Deer is not a horror movie because I won't watch it. It is a not really a suspenseful movie, but if you ever watched a movie where the score, meaning the music, sets the tone in a way, the, the best example is this. Na 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 right? What are you thinking right now? You're thinking, I don't want to swim, aren't you? Na 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 What is worse than the dorsal fin coming out with the score? Na 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 and then sometimes people get eaten, sometimes they don't. But either way, you're freaked out. That's what Killing of a Sacred Deer did to me. The music is so suspenseful. You are waiting for the other shoe to drop. Meanwhile, you get through the whole movie and you say, all right, I made it. I wasn't comfortable ever during the movie. Nicole Kidman was quite interesting in this movie. She did her normal one nude scene, which she does in almost every movie. Colin Farrell talked in his regular accent, played a doctor having to make sort of a Sophie's Choice. And I don't use Sophie's Choice. I never, never say never. I don't like to use Sophie's Choice as an example of anything because to ever choose the way Meryl Streep had to in Sophie's Choice, I don't wish that on my worst enemy or my best friend. This movie is about a Sophie's Choice. There's no deer involved. I have no understanding exactly why it's called Killing of a Sacred Deer. I must have missed it altogether. It's a little-known Nicole Kidman movie. Give it a try. There's a young actor in it named Barry Keoghan, K-E-O-G-H-A-N, haunting his performance. Haunting. I don't know that it'll translate. Don't know if he has a career, had a career, will have a career. But in this movie, he was brilliant. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Check it out. I'd watch it during the day if possible or at night. Don't turn the lights out. We are up to day 73 of the ML Beer Challenge. Day 73, 27 more. I've asked you to give me, you know what we're doing, Coca and I, arguing or not arguing, we grow, we're growing our beards. And we are both saying to ourselves, hmm, when do we get to shave? Well, when MLB opens, we're going to shave. We may do something for charity. Coca, I've asked him to start thinking about something cool we can do. I'm not just going to go to the bathroom and start shaving. We got to do something to try to raise some money, which we'll do. But in the meantime, $1,000 a day for the first 100 days of no shaving. And I said, once we got through MLB, we got through NBA cities, we've done a few other charities. I said, please get at me at David P. Sampson, get in my Twitter Tell me some suggestions. Give me some organizations. Tell me who needs some loving because I want to give every day 
to organizations who are helping those impacted by COVID-19. I got one yesterday, two, maybe a week ago, after I asked for this. I don't remember when it was. doesn't even matter. One of my favorite states that I never even thought of, the place where I did the Ironman in 2006, Hawaii. It is the most beautiful state, beautiful weather. It's the setting of one of my top 100 movies, The Descendants. It's got a show with 5-0 at the end of it. But I hadn't thought about it because there's no professional sports. The closest to anything is the college team, University of Hawaii. Mahalo. I don't know if that's what they do, but that's what you do in Hawaii. You say mahalo and you put out your pinky and your thumb and you sort of rotate it. Someone told me about something called the Hawaii Food Bank and how much of a need, even though people don't, associate Hawaii and COVID. It is real. It is there. Furloughs are happening. Loss of jobs, higher unemployment. The Hawaii Food Bank is giving and donating thousands upon thousands of meals. Today, this is for you, Hawaii. We didn't forget about you here on the mainland. Can't wait to get back to you. Hawaii Food Bank gets $1,000. Thank you for that suggestion. Wait to see. I got a good one. I got a good one today. Wait to see is when we're accountable to you. We, nothing personal, on our new YouTube channel. Have you subscribed while you're listening? Can you just press pause? Although if you're watching this, you must have subscribed because there's no other damn way to find it. If you're listening, just press pause. Go to YouTube, click subscribe, go back, keep listening. Thank you. Appreciate you. Wait to see is at the end, sometimes the end of the show, middle of the show, mostly at the end. We will tell you something that may happen, could happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And then we'll be accountable to it. News came out yesterday that Scott Boris, our favorite foil, he's not my favorite foil. He's not my favorite anything. Scott Boris is an agent in Major League Baseball and he poached a player named Blake Snell. Blake Snell's a name you know. Blake Snell's the guy on Twitcher, Twitcher, Twitch, on Twitch. He was twitching and he said that, pay me my money, pay me my money down. Another Springsteen reference. That's two in one show. Well, guess what? Blake Snell signed a long-term deal with the Tampa Bay Rays that goes through 2023, and he decided to switch agencies. He's now represented by Scott Boris, which is something Scott Boris does. He tries to poach players. It happens all the time. Tries to get players who have another agent to go to him because he says to them, I know you've got a long-term deal, but man, are you underpaid? We're going to get you paid much more in free agency. I know it's not till 2023, but guess what? I am here for you for your endorsements. I will represent you to the fullest. I just pounded my chest twice in that sign where you pound a chest and kiss the sky. I'm going to take care of you. And then he gets players. They're a perfect match. Good luck, Blake. I'll bet you a dollar. Let's do a dollar bet right now that you don't get one extra dollar of endorsements by switching agencies. But that's not the way to see. The way to see is this. A poacher's a poacher's a poacher. And the best time to poach is in a down market. And this is a down market. Boris will poach another player before opening day. You know why? It's simple. Because it's business. It's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.